Welcome to the CISONomics Podcast, building understanding between information security leaders and the businesses that sell to them. Brought to you by Green Ridge Search. The relationship between CISOs and cybersecurity vendors can be tricky. They depend upon each other, though they don't always get along. In fact, CISOs routinely report that security sellers just aren't listening to them. In this podcast, we aim to bridge that gap inviting senior figures from the vendor landscape to interview CISOs and hear their side of the story. Welcome to the CISONomics podcast, building understanding between security leaders and the businesses that sell to them. I'm your host, Jake Sparks, cybersecurity headhunter and founder of Green Ridge Search, together with our guest host for today, Keith Oluni. Welcome, Keith. Hey, Jake. Hey, everyone. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Dublin born and bred and a keen footballer, sorry, soccer player. Keith calls New York home where he's embarked on a quest to find the perfect pizza. How is that going, Keith? It's going well. I'm finding Brooklyn's winning today. (laughs) All about the journey though, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. Excellent, excellent. He specialises in scaling early stage cyber startups and recently joined Two Cents as their VP of sales. Two Cents provide behavioral authentication based on automatically identifying how someone types or moves the mouse. Uh, so it's good to know that my cat handedness might be unique to me. Uh, and today, Keith's going to be interviewing our guest, CISO Ivan. Hi, Ivan. Great to have you on the show. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here with you, Jake and Keith. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you. As former CISO of WebHelp, Ivan led a team of 200 plus security professionals with a budget of over 10 million. Which may sound a lot, but during his tenure, the company more than doubled in size to a global workforce of 140,000. Ivan's experience is really interesting, and that's what makes him a great guest for this show. He's been a high-level CISO, but he's also worked extensively on the vendor side for firms like McAfee and SecureWorks. Uh, a little bit of background and context on the on the podcast itself. It's a crowded market, of course, for cyber podcasts. Uh, so I wanted to do something different and be really clear on the stated aim for Seasonomics. Uh, the podcast stems from my observations as an outsider, by which I mean I'm a cyber specialist recruiter and not hands-on with security or selling security solutions, that the marriage between vendors and CISOs isn't always a happy one. The role of CISO is becoming exponentially more complex and cyber vendors, of course, need revenue to scale fast. So it's not totally surprising that CISOs routinely report that they aren't being listened to. That's about to change. Uh, And now over to our guest host for this podcast, Keith. Thank you, Jake. Uh, So I'm excited to get going and bring bring light to Eben's thoughts on a few areas, including the role of a CISO what technology you're finding most interesting, how you'd like vendors to be working with you. And then once you are a customer, really getting a sense of how they can keep you happy. So should we jump in? Absolutely. Ready, let's go. So I think where I wanted to start was what are what are the two things you would like people to take away from the interview today? I'd actually like to go slightly broader than just this interview. And my kind of two pieces of advice would be stake curious and keep pushing i think it's very important for us to kind of maintain that otherwise we're just going to fall behind yep i think that's really good and when we look at the role of a CISO, how would you summarize the role of a CISO? i think the role of a CISO has really significantly evolved over time uh you know thinking about it uh, where things have started and uh, so on it, it kind of started from that 
technology side. And unfortunately, many people still see today Caesars as, you know, tech guys. I think um, there might be some merit in that one when you think about uh, possibly the size and the industry of an organization. Um, however, uh, you know, as, as you move towards more complex organizations, larger organizations, uh, the Caesar role has, as I said, significantly evolved. And today I would like to kind of summarize it as, uh, you know, a leader, uh, an influencer, a uh, translator, I like to say always. Uh, and uh, increasingly, uh, Caesars must have uh, a heavy business acumen as well. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, that's underpinned with everything that's uh, that's happening. And the last one could be a bit controversial, but uh, you know, in, in, in my books, uh, Caesars are not uh, the ones that just sit behind the scenes uh, these days. Uh, they are out there. They must be out there to support the business, the growth. The obviously uh, trust when it comes to dealing with uh, the clients of, of their companies and so on. So, uh, yeah, something significantly different to to what it used to be. That's really useful. And what do you within that kind of context? If you look into the future, what do you what do you think is like one thing you would hope that CISOs are doing differently, say five years from now? Great question. Um, look, uh, CISOs must evolve. Uh, and I think this entire conversation uh, will will have uh, that flavor in a way. Uh, we must embrace the, the new reality. Uh, we must be there, as I said, to, to support our businesses. Uh, it is not uh, enough to kind of, you know, just do the basics. It is not enough to, to live in the past, uh, given that everything around us is uh, evolving at such a pace that you must stay on top. Uh, and uh, again, as I hinted already, we, we must be able to support it and we must be able to show the value. Yeah. And let's kind of jump into the fun stuff. So technology, when you're looking at, uh, in, like, how do you evaluate the impact of security on your organization? And when you're looking to get buy-in from your peers or your CEO, when you believe that there's a risk that you should solve and you have evaluated a product? Uh, again, another great question. Uh, look, uh, security must be an enabler. Uh, it is uh, It is simply uh, one of those things that, you know, I, I mentioned already, uh, we are there to help build the trust. Uh, we are there to uh, provide and or, you know, underpin the value that, that our business brings to the, to the customers and, and clients. Uh, and we must be part and parcel of that one. Caesars uh, must be able to articulate this. Uh, you know, when you, when you think about it, uh, and, and when you think that in a context of, when you put that in a context of your question, uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't like evaluating, uh, products for the sake of products. Obviously, I will evaluate anything in the context of how do I help my business? How do I help mitigate a particular risk? How do I ultimately measure, you know, whatever I do? Uh, or you know what gets introduced? How do I measure that, and how I can actually show that as the outcome to uh, to the business? So from that perspective, uh, if I can't make that business case for myself, 
I will definitely not try to sell it to anybody else in the business. Uh, we Caesars walk the fine line, you know. Uh, it's it's a very hard job to build the trust. It's a very hard job to effectively get to the point where when you state something, it has the right gravitas, it has the right uh, weight and, and value behind, and it's a slippery slope if you start abusing that. So uh, if I want you know, to, to sell a new tech just for the sake of I'm excited by it, and that's pretty much it, you know, it's, it's the next cool thing on a block, it gets really dangerous. You start abusing that. After that, you might end up in a situation where you really need something, but people won't trust you. People won't believe that that's the thing uh, that is really required to kind of, uh, you know, alleviate a, a particular problem or, or you know, help the business uh, go forward. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's really uh, a point of no return. So for me, as I said, it has to be in the context of, what the business needs. Uh, and if it's like that, I'll put all of my weight behind it. Yeah, it, it's interesting you say that you feel it needs to be an enabler beyond just security. It, it's something that I've very much seen myself as well. And I, I guess one thing I've often seen is the shift to work from anywhere, remote work, and has been a big piece of that. Uh, from a, have you? Do, do you ever find, like, do you find it challenging to demonstrate how some security products are an enabler when inherently they're protecting against something that isn't happening every day? Uh, again, as I said, uh, the magic is that you need to figure out how to measure it. And it's not an easy mm -hmm. thing by any means. Uh, but I think for up for almost everything uh, we, we do these days, uh, it is possible and uh, it is something that, you know, it, it's a fine art to, to understand in the first instance um, why you need something, then how you measure the difference once you have it and how you can actually uh, uh, support that entire thing and uh, show it to whoever else and ultimately um, drive through with that and uh you know make the organization more secure so mm. uh you're you're spot on uh by saying that um remote workings changed uh, many things around us a lot uh we're walking away from the good old perimeter uh these days you know everybody talks about the fact that uh the identity is a new perimeter and everybody's talking about the fact that um you know we we really must uh, start embracing uh, new ways of working and we must start embracing uh, new uh, paradigms even when it comes to you know uh, where things are moving so um, a complex problem and yes uh, good scissors should be able to as I mentioned already articulate that and uh, show to the rest of their companies that that's the right thing to do and that's the right solution that is actually going to provide some benefits so mm. Super. No, I, I completely agree. And let, let me shift uh, gears a little bit as we're like one thing I've seen a big change in over the past few years in the security world is that there's been a big move from being reactive to being proactive and really shift into a defense in depth where it's I you assume you're going to be breached and it's really a what am I going to do then it's a bit like uh the thing of getting put uh, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face um 
But really, I'm wondering, what do you see as the bi- the next big shift in the security world? Uh, sure. Uh, look, uh, InfoSec in general, I mean, not just InfoSec, obviously, uh, many industries uh, are part of this, but uh, what what I feel and, and what I see, uh, strictly speaking about InfoSec, is that uh, it's going through a never-ending evolution in a way. Uh, so many things have changed since I started. Uh, gosh, that reminds me of how old I'm, I am actually, but nonetheless, let's put that one aside. Uh, you know, we have this constant and consistent paradigm shifts in, in, in InfoSec. Uh, you can almost plot the line from, you know, where we were when we were, talk- when we were talking about uh, defending our perimeter and being able to protect what's inside it and, and you know, have full control over it um, to, uh, again, as, as, as you hinted, the fact that certain things will inevitably happen. And uh, this is where we have this paradigm shift now to uh, we are actually talking not about defending that perimeter, but to building that resilience. You can call it business resilience. You can call it cyber resilience, again, depending on the flavor. But ultimately, yes, uh, that's that's the big truth that uh, those things will inevitably happen. And in my CISO career, I had a few of these uh, that uh, reshaped the way I think about certain things. Uh, and uh, it is, you know, just uh, really just our reality. So um, we we must adopt that way of thinking. Um, unfortunately, in my opinion, I don't think that many, uh, many companies, many environments are there yet. Uh, and that's a big problem. Uh, and uh, the truth is that uh, you know people must do it faster and and, and must kind of get on board really uh, as quickly as possible uh, because simply uh, you know it's it's not going to get better. Uh, I think uh, with everything else that's happening out there, you know, when we think about uh, this uh, this latest craze when it comes to AI, when it uh, you know when it comes to things such as quantum, uh, there are so many things bubbling um, beyond the horizon. Actually, some of them are already here. We just haven't recognized that yet. Uh, that uh, I, I think you know for for many, it's one of those where you can almost with very very high certainty say you know adapt or die. Um, last month, I, I read uh, a staggering article uh, on, uh, again, when we talk about quantum, that um, RSA 2048 actually got broken uh, by a very modest hardware. And if true, uh, it's a proper horror story, I can tell you that much, because, you know, you think about it, uh, that humble algorithm uh, is something that holds together so many things out there on the internet from, you know, uh, us kind of securely communicating uh, with websites to entire payment systems being based on it. And, you know, someone claims that that thing got broken. So, scary prospect, really. Uh, I also heard some other fantastic things. Uh, the other day, actually, I was I was listening the interview with the Wix CEO, and that was just mind-boggling story for me because 
uh, he actually stated, and I, I haven't verified this, but there are only a couple of thousands of bots out there on the internet that actually shape the content of the internet as, as we know it today. Just, just amazing stats. Uh, and uh, I actually found that um, last year, uh, more than 47% of all internet traffic was just bot traffic. So you start taking those things into account. You throw in some, some good AI as a, as a spice. Um, you start thinking about the fact that not only content, but many interactions and everything else will be driven by AI. You know, we as, as, as professionals, we really must uh, very quickly adopt to all of those things and, and take them into account and figure out how that, if you want, affects the, the new threat landscape and what else is out there. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, you make a big cocktail out of uh, all of those things. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not necessarily liking what I can think that the future will be, but we we, we just have to handle it. Um, I'll, I'll throw even you know uh, another crazy one here. Uh, I heard that people are talking about the, the future where we'll have a, a special internet just for us humans and everything else, including bots and AI and this and that. Can we really do that? Um, is that something that you know we are ready for today? I don't know. Wow. Well, you can. I definitely feel you're a couple of years ahead of me because I haven't even contemplated the prospect of uh, multiple different internets for bots. <laughs> Scary. Uh, yeah. Thanks for that, Ivan. It was really, really interesting. I think where I wanted to go from here is shifting on a little bit into more of the vendor side of things. A big part of this is the um, is that kind of relationship between businesses and the CISOs that they're looking to work with. And I thought it'd be useful to start with what, like, what was the vendor experience that you felt was the best you had, and what did they do differently? Sure. Um, again, uh, great one. I. I wouldn't like this to, to sound as a commercial because uh, it isn't, uh, but uh, your, your question is quite specific. And if I need to pull one vendor that, that I worked with, uh, that, that must have been Iron Scales. Um, when I started in, in Web Help, uh, we had a big challenge when it comes to email security and handling just enormous amount of uh, spam and phishing and, and, and various other things. And uh, again, one of the first um, pieces of work that I embarked on was to figure out what we can do about it. And this was a, a complete, uh, if you want, left field scenario. Um, we went through a big evaluation of several vendors, all the mainstream ones at the time. Um, and uh, Iron Scales was almost an accident. It was a, a connection who asked if, you know, although we were already, as I said, uh, towards the end of that uh, process, uh, if we could just give it a chance, a go no sort of obligations, no, no questions asked. It was, you know, Test it for a bit. Tell us what you think, almost, uh, scenario. And uh, it, it's really what happened. Uh, we uh, implemented the solution. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm sort of choosing my words here carefully, but what I mean by implementing the solution, you know, that was kind of one of the huge pluses and, and, and benefits. It was so easy just to plug it in and it just started working. Um, no, you know, no service interruption, no silly stuff, no nothing. And I was truly amazed. Look, I, when, when I think about myself uh, looking sort of in a rear view mirror, uh, you know, more than 20 years of experience. I've seen various things. I spent good amount of time in the vendor land myself. I, I truly haven't seen something like that, something that was so uh, non-intrusive to start with, but something with so powerful output. And uh, really, in a period of a couple of weeks, we went from nothing to full solution. I scrapped everything else that we spent months on working before that I gave them the work. Uh, and, and what amazes me is that it was such a um, non-pressure sale, if you want. It was really, mm. you know, try it, see for yourself, we'll be there to support you. Uh, the product and the service, you know, should speak for themselves. And it was absolutely amazing experience. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess that's how you form partnerships for life, truly. And uh, I, I can, you know, uh, highly recommend the vendor, obviously, on the back of that one. Uh, but at the same time, I think many other vendors should really take a note. Uh, you know, I fully appreciate many other things that that surround those relationships. But uh, this was something truly outstanding. Uh, it was something amazing also from a perspective that uh, we embarked on that journey together. Um, when it started, they were, you know, neither big nor a uh, very well-recognized vendor, nor the product was uh, necessarily where it is today. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I said, we, we embarked on the journey together. Uh, the, initial, um, the initial thing was enough to kind of give them that trust, if you want. Um, and after that, it was almost pure magic. Mm. Interesting. It's interesting you say that. And uh, Arm Skills, uh, you're welcome. For the for the endorsement, um, I think the thing that comes to mind to me on that is that you you were sold by the simplicity of it, it was very much that the product did the selling for you, and it was simplicity from the sales standpoint. So there, there, there wasn't friction being created, and the product was easy to set up. Are those kind of the, if you're looking at other vendors, are those kind of the things you would recommend they try focusing in on, ensuring that the product's easy to get to value? And that secondly, there isn't a lot of friction added, which is quite a common, common approach. 100%. Uh, okay. Look, uh, we're dealing with uh, absolutely amazingly complex environments and, uh, and, and landscapes. And again, yes, that will depend on. I mentioned at the beginning, you know, your industry, size of the company and so on. Uh, but those things uh, mean a lot. Uh, if you can really focus on a problem and you don't have to uh, to deal with the unnecessary complexity, with the unnecessary friction, uh, you don't need to deal with, you know, angry users. At the end of the day, you're trying to do the right thing. So, you know, if I mm -hmm. can take all the unnecessary stuff out of that equation. Yeah. Interesting. The the next piece was 
I'm a big believer from a sales standpoint is that people only change because of some sort of triggering event. They can live in pain for a long time and it'll bubble and bubble and bubble, but something happens, whether it's just an attack from a security standpoint or just an attempted attack, compliance requirements, whatever. There's always something that's like, okay, we need to do this now, even though it existed for 12 months already. Um when when that when you're looking to implement new technology, I guess I'm interested in understanding how do you go about bringing the board along, especially when it's net new spend, which often for startups or newer companies it is going to be, and that is one of the hardest pieces to get is net new spend within a budget. I agree. Um, I agree with the challenge there. Um, However, I'm, I'm also going to give you uh, maybe a slightly different angle there. See, unless we're talking about uh, CISO who is new in their role, uh, I, I don't necessarily mean a, a new CISO, you know, someone who's just stepped into that world, but uh, someone who's actually just, you know, started uh, in the new company and maybe the budget's not there or, you know, no one before them considered those things. I'd say that uh, a good CISO cannot afford situations like that. Uh, when you have a significant event of sorts, you know, whether that's, uh, that's a compromise or uh, something big that uh, one way or another uh, impacted or uh, had a huge uh, potential to impact the company, uh, in my books, Good CISO um, was supposed to, you know, already have that thing on a, on a radar. Uh, in, in, in some shape or form. Uh, those significant events, uh, again, for me, can be good catalysts maybe for um, speeding up or, or broadening uh, the use of a particular control. Uh, but again, a good CISO must have that control in, in some sort of the incubator already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's where the, the huge difference is. So uh, thinking about it, you know, um, whether you should start uh, considering something there and then, possibly not. Uh, you know, for me, that, that business case must be something that you already have kind of baked. Uh, you must keep your eye on a, on a threat landscape. Uh, yes, inevitably, there would be uh, some you know very big and and, and significant um, changes that will warrant something out of band, uh, but uh, and and again it's a big but from from my perspective, uh, I cannot. I tend to have you know everything that I need in in my budget already, and happily I'll have it there, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll have that discussion upfront, and uh, you know. Inevitably, you might even kind of succumb to uh, having to uh, remove it because of, you know, what your CFO tells you or or something like that. But at the end of the day, you must plan for those things already. Uh, I think the industry is plagued by too many magic bullets. Uh, there are things out there, you know, everybody, if you, if you look at their sales pitches, things that their solution will solve all of your problems and 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 suddenly you know your life's going to be easier and 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 whatnot i'm afraid it doesn't work like that um 
that's why I think it's so important to build the right relationships. That's why I think it's so important for CISOs to, as I said at the very beginning, stay curious, try to understand what's coming, try to understand who and how can help them in, in the journey. And then uh, when you have the opportunity and ultimately when you have the right need, you introduce that. By, by doing that, uh, it's so much easier to, to sell that to your board. Uh, the sell, obviously, at, you know, if, if you're following everything the way you should, you, you don't really need a very hard sell. Uh, what, you know, what we already uh, discussed, if you can articulate how and why is that going to help your business, if you can articulate, and especially again, what what I mentioned, if you can explain to people how are you going to actually measure the difference, and even when you can start showing them that stuff, and ultimately over time, if you're consistent with that, and every time you know you introduce something new, you go back to them and you show them this is exactly uh, again, you know, measurably how certain things improved. You'll get to the point where you don't really need to overdo it. You get to the point where they trust your judgment. You get to the point where mm. they understand why you want to introduce new things because they know down the line you'll come to them with, look, we did it and these are the outcomes and it is, it is you know, um, broadly in line with what was already discussed and so on. Um, I guess that's that's my preferred approach. Uh, as I said, mm. not always possible, and there will always be you know some sort of a crazy cataclysmic event. Uh, but hopefully, you'll be prepared for it. Otherwise, you haven't done your homework. Yeah, no, that's that's really insightful. I think just to finish up, I, I want to just ask from your perspective, what would be some a, a book or some books you would recommend for any aspiring CISOs? Oh, great question. Um, you know what? Uh, I can actually wholeheartedly recommend uh, something that is uh, probably slightly unusual here. It's it's not the book uh, relevant to security or to cyber or anything like that. Uh, the book's uh, Radical Candor by um, Kim Scott. Uh, it's a book um, about leadership. Uh, it's a book that um, helped me understand a lot about me, funnily enough. Um, I, I have this um, direct um, approach. Uh, people would uh, frequently describe it as, you know, a complete lack of sugar coating or anything like that, sometimes too direct for, um, for, for Brits even. Um, but you know, I was I was always like that, and uh, actually, this uh, this book helped me personally um, develop my leadership side, but allowed me at the same time to to fully embrace who I am and allowed me to understand how I can channel all of that stuff, and I guess allowed me to to become a a, a much better leader. Uh, that's not necessarily you know a humble thing to say, but. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll still say it. Uh, and it was to the point where I actually um, gave that book as a present to my boss at the time as well. And I, mm. you know, after, after, uh, after some time, he actually wasn't upset about it. So I, I, I take that as a huge win. Um, therefore, yes, by all means, you know, if you haven't, Radical Candor by Kim Scott, thumbs up. Thank you.
I appreciate it. All righty. Just to close out, where should people go to find out more about your hero, but what you're talking about? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not a big on, uh, you know, writing stuff. I'm not big on social media or anything like that. Uh, I tend to focus on, on work rather than publicity. Uh, but if people, uh, do want to get in touch, uh, LinkedIn's the right place. I guess I'm always happy to engage in a good discussion. Um, always happy to, uh, to provide, give my, uh, my opinion, advice, help. I'm a huge believer then that, uh, uh, you know, uh, being a good infosec professional, being a good CISO is also, uh, about giving back to the community. Um, therefore, yeah, by all means and accounts, um, do get in touch. Okay, thank you. Well, you heard or hear salespeople. If you reach out to Ivan on LinkedIn, he will respond. <laughs> thank, thank you, you both so, really so much. It. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both, both so much. Ivan, some really interesting insight. And and Keith, thank you for unpacking all of that. Greatly, greatly appreciate And thank you so much. Uh, keep in touch and we'll hope to have you both on again another time. Fantastic. Fantastic. Looking forward Take to it. Care. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CISONomics from Green Ridge Search and that it met its aim of building understanding between information security leaders and the businesses that sell to them. We'd love your feedback and are always looking for new guests. Alongside the usual channels, you can email us at info at greenridge-search.com. <laughs>